the Brave Church podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope that you're encouraged by today's message. God, we're not here tonight to have another service. We're not here to tick a religious box. We're here to have an encounter with you. So God, I pray for each person in this room that they would understand that this is their moment. This is their opportunity. And so God, I pray that you would move in this room right now. Move in each individual's life. Lord, that you would shift things, that they would leave different to what they came. And God, do what you alone can do right now. Oh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. You know, while you're in that atmosphere, I I just sense that many of you have come into the room and you've come into this place and there's transitional things happening in your life. You've come to the end of the road on maybe in a workplace, in a relationship or maybe there's something that's been agitating your life and you can't seem to get the breakthrough. But I want to tell you, I'm here today with a word from God to enable you to step from the place you're in into the spacious place or the preferred place that God has for you. And so today we're going to establish something in the spiritual atmosphere. We're not going to stay where we are, but we're going to step into all God has for us. So God, I pray right now in this room, even as people carry some challenges, some circumstances of life, Right now, there's some people here that have got some financial challenges, particularly in the area of maybe some debts. I pray right now that those things would be alleviated. Lord, you are the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You are the God who has finances. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, you have provision at your hand. And even though some people may have made some mistakes that's enabled the position that they're in, I pray that you would alleviate the burden right now. Even if natural circumstances don't change instantly, there'll be a confidence that will rise in their spirits. God, move in this place right now. Move in this place. I pray that there would be a new measure of faith that we would walk out of this place with. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, great to be with you this morning. Hey, why don't you grab your seat? I hope you're ready to preach this morning. I was just standing back as I opened the bottle. I was with Pastor David yesterday and he opened a normal, not even a you know, sparkling bottle of water, soda, and it sprayed all over him, all over me as well. Oh, there it goes. It just sprayed all over me then. So good to be with you here in Miami. Uh, You know, I I love being here. I love the water. I love fast cars. I love the craziness of this city. Uh, Boats. I love boats. And uh, I love good food. And I love your pastors, Pastor David and Christina. Great people. Um, I've had great fun with them. We had a great meal together last night, some hot and spicy Asian food. They took me to a Chinese restaurant. Actually, they asked me which one I wanted to go to and I told them this was the one. I was going to pay you out for a minute then. But um, 
uh, because, you know, I come from Australia, which is pretty much Asia. And, uh, and so Asian food. And, and I was thinking, we're going to a Chinese restaurant. I was looking forward to it. And it was actually pretty good. Uh, like it was very good. I was surprised. But um, one of my favourite things in the whole world is Argentinian steak. And, uh, I, I, you know, and Brazilian hanging meat. And, and Miami has it all. In fact, we had something the other day on... Well, basically all me and Pastor David has done, he needs to go to the gym all week this week, <laughs> is eat. Um, we had the biggest steak that I've ever had in my life. Um, and anyway... So Pastor David has caused me to stumble, but he's a great man of God. I, I want to talk to you on the topic today of the gate is open. The gate is open. You know, when I was a kid, we used to live in a house that had uh, fencing all around, and at the front it had a gate. And uh, the gate as a kid was something that I couldn't get out of until somebody enabled me to actually get out of it. They lifted the latch so that I could walk into where I wanted to go. And across the road from my house was an incredible park and it had beautiful playground equipment. And I used to sit in my front yard and as a little kid that couldn't reach up to the latch, I would look out of the gate and just dream about playing in the park. And every now and again, uh, it sounds a little bit like, you know, a little dog, but I was... I was there and I would look out just dreaming about, could I get out to the park? And then every now and again, my dad or my mum would open the latch and they'd take me out to the park and I'd enjoy all the benefit that the park had to offer. The playground, the swings, running around, throwing a ball, all those things. But yet, (coughs) while the gate was closed... I was restricted to the space that I was in. And I feel like what the Lord is saying to you as a church is you're coming towards a gate. You're coming towards a fresh gate. And once that gate opens, you're actually going to step into a new spacious place that is the place that you've been dreaming of but haven't been able to step into. And today I'm believing with you that we're going to open that latch and we're going to step out of that gate and we're going to go into the preferred spacious place that God has for each of us. So today, would you go with me on the journey and uh, open the gate this morning? The gate is open in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. You can turn there. I'm going to get there in just a moment. In fact, I've got to see they created a slide for me. There it is, the gate. In fact, I didn't know that. Now I can see it. David tried to show me on his phone, but I literally couldn't see what he was talking about. Sorry, David. You were going, how good is that slide? And I'm like, can't see anything. But anyway, now I can see it. But that's exactly the same gate that I had <laughs> at my house, believe it or not. I hadn't seen it till just then. And... Um, but, but, you know, uh, in, in my case, um, I was here if you, in March, actually, this year, which it's quite, as Pastor David said, it's quite incredible to uh, be here because it's very rare that I ever speak in a church twice in a year. And I really feel that the reason for that is God actually has a word for me for you today. And, uh, and even when uh, we were talking about it just a few weeks ago that I would come, I just knew what I should speak, this word. And... Uh, But when I came last time, I showed you a video for those that were here of a place called Papua New Guinea that we went to and and I showed you crowds of people that responded and we had over 250,000 people come out um, to our event and uh, and over 100,000 get saved. And 
And we got this whole word about discipling nations. So Planet Shakers has incredible privilege on the earth playing at different events. You know, it was amazing. Just three weeks ago, our band was in um, a whole heap of Asian cities, um, Indonesia, non-English speaking, very strong Muslim country. And uh, there we were in multiple venues, totally sold out, totally packed out. Um, in Seoul, Korea, we were there and nobody speaks pretty much Koreans, very little English in, in, in the place that we went. And uh, this church is an 8,000-seater church. It's all underground. Can you imagine that you can literally walk across the top and it's like a park and yet underground for levels underground is this building and then there's a full 8,000-seat auditorium uh, underground and the band played there, sold out. And they've never had this before, but they have their inner ears. If you haven't seen the, the band, actually have inner ears in their ears and so they can hear the music. And as they were playing, they were struggling to hear the music in their ears because the, the crowd was singing so loud. But get this, they're singing so loud our songs in English, they don't speak English. So the band actually have to have an interpreter on stage when they talk to the crowd because the crowd can't understand a word, yet the crowd sings louder than we've ever heard in English. And just incredible the opportunities and the things that are happening. We've got our conference in Philippines, um, already sold out, 15,000 people, um, you know, and uh, in January next year, and it's already sold out, so we're looking to add a night and do some different things there. And, and so with privilege comes responsibility, but we felt like God was saying to us that not just to believe for a city, not just to believe to plant a church, but that we would disciple nations. And uh, as I started to think about that, I was like, wow, God, you want us to disciple nations. What does that even mean? Well, in the book, of, um, you know, it, it, it clearly in Psalms, it says, ask of me and I will give the nations. And we've heard about that and we all believe that in our ideology as the church. But do we really believe it or do we just say it? Let's take the city of Miami. And we all go, Yeah. But then we go about our business and go, is that really even possible? Why would the Bible have it there if it's not possible? And so I'm stupid enough to believe, God, give us nations. So we started to go to this nation near us. And, and, uh, and, and anyway, we, we had this big event. But one of the problems is that in church history, we've actually seen uh, great moves of God. There was a, a revival called the Great Welsh, but within us. And, uh, you know, in that time, pretty much the whole nation came to Christ. But within a, a few short years, it went back to its ways because nobody built anything to sustain that revival that took place. And uh, so God's been speaking to me about we've got to have the big event to attract the attention of the city. But then we've also got to have the sustainable plan. How do we bring jobs? How do we help with health care? How do we develop new leadership in some of these third world nations? What, what do we do to help? Not just to do humanitarian work. What's the point of feeding them and they die and they go to hell? You know, we may as well feed them, uh, you know, the word of God and food so that they have a life that they can live on earth and sustain in eternity as well. And uh, so anyway, we, we, we came up with this plan. I came to Tulsa, Oklahoma, had these big events, and I was in Tulsa at Oral Roberts University. And uh, Oral Roberts used to beam television, was one of the first people ever to, to beam television all over the world from his studio. And, and obviously, he hasn't been there for many years. And, and, uh, and so they redesigned the studio, but they wanted to make sure it had their world impact like he had. So they, they made it into a VR studio, so a uh, totally interactive studio, both, uh, you know, all the sensors, so you put on the VR gloss, 
goggles and you look at a screen and there's a lecturer can lecture on the brain and the lecturer can go in and he can pull out segments of the brain and as pulling out the students are watching and they can see it all in 3D, can reach out and touch it and you know uh, in a virtuous sense and, and, and so they had me with the stuff on and walking through an aquarium and fish coming past me and all this sort of stuff and it was so cool. But as I was there, I was thinking, God, we, we can put on the big event, but how do we reach the people permanently? God started to say, if you could actually, through phone technology and, and through direct connectivity, we could actually reach people with interactive technology. So if we in the third world could actually provide a high-speed internet connection and facilities, we could train people, we could have church, we could do healthcare, and we could just have a person standing in a studio and then through a phone or a series of connected screens like this in a facility... Anywhere in the world we could train and educate people. We could do crusade meetings. We could have church leadership events. Just like, you know, you, you will no doubt in time to come have multiple campuses all over Miami and you'll be able to interact between those campuses. You know, there's one church I preach at in South Africa and this church is a church of about 100,000 people. Um, but on top of the 100,000 people, they have 32 campuses. All this. And then I saw 800, I saw 400 people get saved in the campus. And then I saw 860 people get saved at campuses all over the country. You know, it, it doesn't have to be uh, t- hard. But in the third world, we haven't been able to do that. So I, I'm looking at this concept. I go to bed that night and God speaks to me about building a facility. And a facility that we can actually build in such a way that it can be transported all over countries in the world. And we could stand in the studio and via technology have these you know, leadership events and we could have church and we could have um, training of healthcare workers. And so suddenly I get this concept. If I had 100 in Papua New Guinea we could actually speak to the whole nation on a weekly basis. I could have a, a studio in the Prime Minister's office and he could speak to all his leaders all over the nation. And so I start to sell this concept. But then the possibility becomes limited by the problem. How often is it that we have an idea? How often is it that we go, oh, this would be great, and then all of a sudden all the issues come up? And then we dismiss the, the, the possibility. But I want to tell you, the the problem was $100 million to start the project. And uh, that's a reasonable size problem, you know. But I I started to go, well, God, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. Well, God, you are the God of the the impossible, so I'm going to dare to believe you. And then we get a phone call in my office from a man called Dennis. And uh, he's one of the top 20 billionaires in the world of net worth. And uh, he rings our office and says, listen, I've got the largest telephone company uh, in the third world, the developing world. It's in Haiti. It's called Digicel. It's in Jamaica, in these regions, and then it's all through the South Pacific and in Africa. And uh, anyway, he, he says to me, I made so much money in the last two years. I need a tax break. I need to be able to give some of the money away. And we've heard about what you're planning to do in some of these developing nations and we'd like to give you some money. And so I'm listening to this and I'm thinking $100 million, who knows, is a lot of money to say to somebody. So he says to me, how much money do you need to get going? And I said, well, to get going, just to start, it'd be about $100 million. And he goes, this is his words, oh, is that all? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's all. Actually, I meant $200 million. No, no, I didn't say that, but I felt like it. And... Uh, 
And, and he goes, and then he says to me this. He says, well, uh, I'd like to be involved, but this, is this a religious thing? And I said, well, we're a church organisation. And he goes, yeah, but you talk to me about how you're going to do leadership and commerce. And he goes, I don't want to get involved in the religious stuff. He said, I'll give you the money. You can do the religious stuff, but don't expect me to get involved in it. And he said, because I'm an atheist. I said, man, if you're an atheist and you've got $100 million, I'm happy to be your friend. <laughs> the unrighteous mammoth is stored up for the righteous. Today I want to talk to you about you're standing at a gateway, a gateway of possibility. Maybe it's in your family and right now you're saying, God, there's so much more. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in a circumstance of your life. But I want us to be able to enable something to shift over that situation where we can reach up, we can lift up the latch and all that we can see in the distance can become ours. So will you go on a journey with me this morning as we look at the gate is open. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon. Pretty much what you're doing today. You came at 12 o'clock, but they went at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. As they approached the temple, a man crippled from birth. Notice he didn't get crippled from a car accident. He wasn't crippled because something happened. He was crippled from birth. He knew no other life. Therefore, it wasn't like he was believing for another life. This was his life. And uh, crippled from birth. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The name that was the same yesterday, today. And forever. He's still the same Jesus that heals now, heals today, will continue to heal into the future. And just as they needed him in this case, he's still available for you and I today. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the crippled man by the hand, the right hand, and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed, leaping and praising God. He went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realised he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw the opportunity and addressed the crowd. I want you to understand here that this is at a gateway. This is talking, this story is specifically about these men that walked through a gate going towards the temple. We need to recognise that so often in Scripture, most of what we read is a metaphor for life. So we need to recognise this isn't just a story about them going to the temple, but this is a story about them stepping into their future. Today, I want you to extrapolate, I want you to put it, the overlay over your life of what God is wanting to do in this setting. 
Right now, you're standing at a gate. Right now, collectively brave, you're at a gateway of future possibility. When we say collectively, that's why the prophetic word that Pastor David and Christina have over your life from time to time about this is what's next in our season, about supernatural increase, whatever the the theme or the thought may be, you need to recognise that if you appropriate it over your life, it's for you because Brave Church is not the building, it's you. So when it comes to your business... Yes, you're about to plant Kendall next week. It's starting next week. That is a statement of new opportunity over your business. You need to dare to believe this is going to be the greatest growth time in your business. You know, you need to dare to believe that as the church expands, you're going to expand. And so you become a part of that. (coughs) So the first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is they arrived at the temple at 3 p.m. And the Bible says that they did this Daily. Why did they do it daily? Because it was the time of feasting. So it was actually a particular season in their life, but they would go and it was a daily, daily basis. It says 3 p.m. Why would the Bible actually put 3 p.m. in there? What relevance does that have to us? Well, in context, we're not in Jerusalem and 3 p.m. has no relevance to us here in Miami today. But what the Bible is talking of is routine. And church, I want you to understand, if you're going to step into the gateway of possibility God has for you, if you're going to move into what he has for you, you've got to break your routine. Routine is so kills our ability to believe for more. Routine, we become so patterned in, oh, we've got to drop the kids off at school. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I usually on the way to work stop and get a coffee. Even though we have a coffee shop and we have great coffee in our church at Planet Shakers, but on the way, I still stop to get a coffee. And there's been times where I've arrived at the office and my coffee is sitting on the table and I can honestly say to you, I can't remember leaving my garage and getting to the office and how I even got there. Because I do the same trip every day, go through the same set of traffic lights, you know, I go around the same roundabout, pull into the same parking spot, sit at the same desk, walk up, say hi to three people. And if you're not careful, you can become totally um, immune because of routine. You can actually lose sight of who you are because of routine. You know, you've been married in the same marriage for the last 25 years and it's been good, but, wow, it's been a marriage, you know. And, and, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I love marriage, but who wants to live in an institution And, and, and all these different things that we say. But if we're not careful, we get caught in our routine and our routine actually nullifies or dulls our senses to what God might want to do. So today I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come into this room and you would alarm, you would awaken, you would stir people out of their pattern, out of their routine and show them what it is that's actually restricting them from walking into what you have patterned for them because they're just doing the same thing every day. Peter and John arrive at the gate. Everybody else has walked past the gate. The cripple has been brought to the gate daily by a group of people that have accepted that they can't possibly help him in any way other than help him to get to the gate. But actually, if they'd thought a bit further, they could have prayed to Jesus. And rather than every day having their routine of taking him to the gate, they could have broken that routine by healing his very body. But yet we get so consumed with what we do that we actually forget the power that there is in the name of Jesus. Peter and John arrive, and as they arrive at the gate, we see here that they arrive and, and the first thing the cripple says, uh, the first thing that they're confronted with is a cripple who is what? He's asking for money. Church, the very first thing that we need to understand or the first question is, you know, who is taking from you? 
You see, if we're caught in our routine, if we're caught in the regular, whether we mean to or not, we actually have uh, people that we're bumping into, their circumstances that we're not dealing with, a cripple in our life, something that's not being dealt with. The cripple today is, I'm not talking about a person, I'm talking about a circumstance of life. And many of us have things that we just put up with. The elephant in the room, the situation in our relationship, the financial restraint that we never deal with, we just learn to cope with. But we actually are coming to church today. We're coming into the temple. This is supposed to be the place where God does incredible things. Well, we live a supernatural life and yet we can go into the town, we can go into the city of Miami and we can look around and we can actually sometimes feel like the tail and not the head because we're actually not living a triumphant, victorious life. We're just getting by in our routine. Well, today I want to stir you to break out of that and to recognise what's taking from you. You see, the first thing the cripple does is ask them for money. They come to the entrance Before they've even got into the purpose God has for them, somebody's there taking from them. And here's the problem for many of us. Many of us live in the place where we've actually got something we haven't dealt with and we can think to ourselves, but it's not affecting me. It's not hurting me. It's not hurting anybody. But actually, if you don't deal with issues, they take from you. One of two things is happening. You either give them money in this case. You know, people would obviously give the cripple money, feel sorry for him. But maybe they were doing it because they felt obliged. Maybe they didn't know how to deal with his issue. So rather than deal with his issue or try to work it out, the easiest thing to do is just give him a little gift. Or (coughs) because they felt awkward or they forgot their money, they walk on the other side before they walk through the gate so that they don't avoid him, don't make eye contact with him. Because if you make eye contact, then you're going to feel obliged to do something. Church, why is it that so many of us have issues in our life and we just keep walking past them? Well, why it is, is because we actually don't inherently believe it changes anything on the other side. But actually, you need to know that this is the most bankrupted time in the temple of seeing any miraculous things happening. Why was that? Because people are entering the temple. And how can you dare to believe that people can be healed in the temple But when you walk through the very gateway that takes you to the temple, there's something there that's never been dealt with. If you don't heal the cripple at the gate, you can't see the miraculous in the temple. You want your lifestyle to change. You want things to come through. You want God, but yet your belief is affected because at the gate of your life, there's still stuff you haven't dealt with. It's been there for 10 years in your marriage. It's been there for 20 years in your finances. There's stuff going on in your belief because of your kids. You've got things in your body where you've had health issues and you've never been able to break through. So how can you dare to believe that God is your healer, yet that we tell you every week that he is? It's time today to say, we're going to deal with the cripple at the gate. We're not going to leave it there anymore. We're going to walk into the spacious place recognising that God has for us. But then it's interesting because these two guys look at him and <coughs> I do apologise for my cough. I've got something in my throat. In fact, Lord, that is call me of whatever this is that's been going on for the last few months. But faith at its core is taking a problem and turning it into a possibility. See, many of us actually look at the problem. We don't know how to solve the problem. So we actually don't deal with the problem. But we were never supposed to. When we get saved, today there's going to be an opportunity for people that don't know Jesus 
to come to a place where you, what do you do to actually come into relationship with him? You surrender your sin, those things you've done wrong, those problems, those circumstances. And the Bible says that God was so loved you that he actually sent his son to become the substitute for your problem. So all we need to do is surrender it to him. And when we surrender it to him, then he takes it and, and, and he turns it into our possibility. But so many of us are avoiding our problems because we think we've got to sort it out ourselves. That's why we're here today. We're here because he's a supernatural God that can come through in those circumstances. And he wants to come through in those circumstances today. So the key question is, what's holding you back? What holds you back? What's limiting you? What's changing your capacity to dare to believe that God could come through? Because there's nothing in the Word that limits it. There's nothing in His ability to actually bring healing. There's nothing in His ability to bring about a financial provision. It's actually only in our belief. And the problem with leaving the cripple at the gate is it constantly, uh, you know, it adheres or it constantly diminishes our ability to believe that He can heal us in the temple. So we've got to deal with it. We can't leave it there. You're about to walk into a spacious place. But if you walk into the new spacious place, but you've still got the same cripple at the gate that you last walked through, you're not going to actually have the fullness of what God has for you. So would you deal with it today? Peter and John walk up. What made them different in that moment of their routine? And it's interesting because they didn't walk on the other side looking at the ground trying not to avoid eye contact. It actually says they looked him in the eyes. They actually went, we're going to deal with this issue. We're going to face up to it. And we're not going to do it on our own. We're going to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And it says, they reached down and he reached up with his right hand. Right hand is the symbol of, I'm surrendering control to you. You're going to take control from this moment on. So when they actually reached down with their right hand, he actually reaches up. And then the Bible says that Peter pulled him out of his brokenness and up to his level. So Peter actually reached in and dealt with the problem. So there's two stories running parallel here. The crippled man needs, we're in a, uh, you know, work and we uh, are in an environment on a continual basis, a workplace, we're in a, uh, you know, an office place, we're in a uh, school setting or whatever it might be and there's people that need to be healed. But church, let's not always get so consumed with the individual that we forget that we're about winning cities. And so to do so, we must in- deal with the individual Today, this story isn't so much talking about the individual. It's actually talking about us as a collective because when they dealt with the cripple, then breakthrough came in the temple and the temple didn't speak of one. It spoke of everybody that assembled in that place. goes on to then say that in the Solomon's colonnade, which represents the marketplace, the whole of society, something shifted over society. Why? Because they dealt with one person. No, because Peter and John actually didn't say, we're going to give you what you're asking for. We're going to give you what you need. And church, I want you to understand that society is crying out at the moment for all sorts of things. Right now, we're hearing politically. We're hearing um, in, in sexuality. We're hearing in uh, financial circumstances what society needs. But I want to tell you that society is asking for something, but what it needs is Jesus. And they're two different things and we can respond to what they're asking for or we can respond to them with what they need. The cripple said, I need your money. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. He had money. The disciples had money. So is he lying? 
No, he's saying to him, what you're asking me for, I could give you, but that's not going to solve your problem. But what I can give you that will solve your problem forever is Jesus Christ. And so Peter reached into his situation and he pulled him out, not with money, but he pulled him out so that he could walk. Suddenly now he's at the same level of everybody else in society. Now he's able to get a job. Now he's able to integrate into society. So he's actually dealt with his problem. But this is where I want to pick up the story and speak to you as a church because I believe prophetically that you're standing at that gateway. You're lifting the latch. You're about to walk into your greatest opportunity. But it only begins when you deal with the cripple because he deals with the cripple and the cripple's like, I'm healed. Peter doesn't go, go on your way. He actually takes the cripple and the first place he goes is to the temple. Because he's saying to the people, people, you need to understand we're not going to see the miraculous here if we don't actually deal with the things that are at our gateway. What's at your gateway today? What issue haven't you dealt with? Well, maybe you stand here and go, I think everything's okay. Well, I'm praying Holy Spirit, help them to break out of their routine, their pattern, that they would actually see what it is that's their limitation today. But some of you are in this room and Holy Spirit's already started to reveal to you. You can sense now, I've got to deal with that relationship issue. I can't keep staying in the same place I am. I can't keep putting up with what I've put up with for years. God, would you help me? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the same as yesterday, today and forever. Would you come into my situation? Would you bring healing into my body? Would you change my financial circumstance? I want to walk into the new place you have for me and I don't want to go into that the same as I always have. I want to go in power, authority and I want to have that sense of awe and amazement as we read about in this case. So he steps out after he's got, he takes the cripple in, goes into the temple and people are like, this is unbelievable. This is incredible. There's amazement. But the amazing thing is Peter doesn't stop in the temple because we're not actually supposed to spend all our time here. This is a place of celebration. This is a place of gathering. This is a place of being stirred. We spend the minority of our life here in the temple, but the majority of our place takes place in the colonnade, Solomon's colonnade, which is the equivalent of the marketplace out there. This church doesn't exist for this group of people that are here today. There may be some here that don't know Jesus. We exist for you more than we do for the majority of people that are here today. It's the only club in the world that actually doesn't have people sign up to look after the members, but actually it's designed that we would look after those that aren't yet members. The only club that exists for that purpose. So Peter quickly takes him into the temple and suddenly miracles start breaking out in the temple. But he quickly walks him out of there and the Bible says that the cripple stays close with him. It's interesting how it's still referring to him as a cripple. He's lived in his circumstance for so long that this guy is still referred to as the cripple. But I want to tell you, that cripple title will come off his life. And he walks out into the colonnade. And he's standing in the colonnade which represents the marketplace. And Bible says Peter sees his opportunity. It's very unusual to use that terminology in the Bible because... Bible is not about somebody's opportunity. Opportunism is a secular type mentality. But Peter sees an opportunity, what? To address the marketplace. And the Bible says with a cripple standing alongside him who everybody would have known had never walked, suddenly he's got him there. And it's not about this individual's healing. It's now about 
Redemption for the marketplace. It's about them understanding that God's power is real, not just for the cripple, but for them. And so it's so important. Was it that Peter took advantage of the moment that that, that gave him the opportunity to preach to a large crowd? Or was it that he, like everybody else, didn't just walk past the cripple, but he dealt with him? I want you to understand there's going to be some catalysts or some moment of opportunity that are going to come. There's going to be some things that happen in your business. There's going to be some stuff that happens in your family. We were just hearing some testimonies about some people that have already got saved at Kendall just in the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the services that came. We haven't even started officially, but already there's some lives that are starting to shift. There's already, and those things become the catalyst for a large crowd of people to discover who Jesus is. So recognise that you're about to move into a new place, church, of some great opportunities, some great things that are going to happen. There's going to be a catalyst. I believe in the next month there's going to be a catalyst for great growth, a catalyst, stimulus for great things to start to happen. But be observant because Peter didn't go, oh, thank, you know, you're healed. You can go on your way now. He took the cripple with him because he knew it was his opportunity to open up thousands of people to find Christ. But then the story says that Peter spoke to the people in the colonnade and he created such a stir that they threw him in prison. Understand this in the next month as well. The greatest resistance than actually think to it when you're about to have your greatest breakthrough. And rather than actually think to ourselves, why is this happening? Start saying, oh, why is this happening? Obviously, God, something's about to break out. Something's about to happen. So today, is we, we're going to agitate the cripple at the gate. We're going to deal with the thing that's been there. But mark my words, in the next month, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's probably going to get more difficult before you actually have the breakthrough. Peter ends up in prison and he comes out the next morning. The Bible says... And then there were 5,000 men. It just says it like that. And then there were 5,000 men in chapter 4 that were added to them. So this band of people that were going to the temple every day, like you, coming week in, week out, just doing their thing, trying to break through. Since Pastor David and Christina have been here in the last four years, it seems like there's been weeks where is anything changing? Is anything happening? Going through the routine, but then suddenly you break through the routine. You deal with the situation and then suddenly, and 5,000 men were added. That's actually the equivalent of about 25 to 30,000 people were added from a group of just 60 people. Was it because it was a suddenly moment, the timing of God? Or was it because Peter and John dealt with the issue? dealt with the cripple, yet everybody else had just walked past. Today, we're actually going to deal with some of the things that limit us, some of the problems that we see, some of the circumstances that we put up with, because as soon as we deal with it, it's going to create a pathway of possibility. It's going to open a doorway. I told you that I was faced with, well, it's one thing to do the big event and we had to believe God for some of those things, but now how do we build these these community hubs, as we've called them. So I laid in bed in Tulsa, Oklahoma, after watching all this VR technology, and God started to speak to me. If you could build a building, partly because the Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea said he he loves stuff, he loves to build things, because then he says to the people, look at what I've built for you. And although I don't necessarily agree with that, I had that in my mind, and I had... Tulsa, Oklahoma, the way we could actually communicate to crowds of people in the most remote areas. 
two thoughts in my mind. I go to sleep. God gives me a dream of building a facility. The reason for the facility is because the Prime Minister will love it, so he'll, he'll give me land is what I felt. And if I build the facility, I can do all these things to bring sustainable change to a nation. So we look and I get this dream about five shipping containers which represent the five areas that we want to bring transformation in the nation. Leadership, commerce and business and trade, uh, education, uh, healthcare and the church, the transformational church. And so five shipping containers with a structure over the top like a roof like this, an, an auditorium, if you like, that will seat 500 people. But then on top of the roof we can put a screen and then over the land space up to 20,000 people could gather on the outside as they do in these remote communities and they could watch a screen and see things like church, see an education on how to do basic health care, have their kids educated in these places and all we need to do is supply them with one phone, Digicel say to me, we'll give you the phone because if they hook up to our network, they're going to be there for the rest of their life. So it's a good business model for us as well. And suddenly all these things start to come together. I get an architect to design this building. And I was just in Papua New Guinea last week and we signed the first piece of land, which to give you context, this whole church site, which is the car parking and everything, about three and a half times of this site is what the land, I said to the Prime Minister, you need to give me a uh, hundred pieces of these land. Now, when, if, if, if the government gave us a hundred pieces of land in Miami that were four, nearly three and a half times the size of this site, we'd all be like, wow, that's incredible. Well, I want to tell you, I signed off on the first and I've got seven more that they're looking to gift me around the nation. But not only that, we've also got, we've also got the uh, Prime Minister of, of um, Fiji already wants to give me at least three sites. The, 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 the head of the Solomon Islands wants to give me four. The king of Tonga has three sites and he says, you need to come soon because we just had these big hurricanes and we want to replace it. The, the, the Dennis O'Brien, he, 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 this guy is in Digicel and he's high up, um, you know, connected to the government. So here in Haiti, they want to build a whole heap of these things. In Jamaica, they want to build these things. And I get a phone call, my office just just two weeks ago from a place called Liberia. I didn't even know where Liberia was. I thought they were saying Libya. Now, Libya is where, you know, all the bombs go off. And I'm like, I'm not going to Libya. <laughs> the president of Liberia rings my office. Liberia is in West Africa. It's got a very strong connection to America. The reason is that that's where most of the American slaves came from. And they came into the country here and one of the slave traders slept with one of the women and they had children and because they were children of colour, they sent them back to be the leaders of that nation. Really what they did is they sent them back so that they could be in control. And that country is right next to Sierra Leone and Guinea where there's been civil wars. December this year, a man by the name... But in the last five years, the civil wars have subsided. In December this year, a man by the name of George Way, a professional footballer um, who, who won the uh, World Football Award about uh, 10 years ago as an African just got voted in as the president of Liberia. He heard that there was a Pentecostal organisation that was doing transformational projects in the South Pacific. And he drilled down, found out it was us. And on the 19th and 20th of November, at his invitation, I'm going to Liberia to sit with the leaders of the nation to talk about how we transform their nation. I mean, how does that happen? When I'm sitting... In Tulsa, Oklahoma, the problem is 100 million. How do we do this? How do we build it? But I want to tell you, 
You're about to walk through a gateway of possibility. Stop looking at the problem. Start dealing with the problem and step into all God has for you. I want to show you just for a moment a video. This is a video that we presented to the government and why they've started to gift us all this land. PNG Community Hubs will be installed in each of the 89 districts within PNG. The aim for the hubs is to connect each of the 89 local level government districts, LLGs, with the nation's capital. Each hub produces its own energy, collects its own water, treats its own waste. It also provides high-tech AV connection via internet to the outside world. You will now see the various components that come together to make up each hub. First on our right is the village store, which will provide grocery lines and household products and serve as a trading hub for local produce. Then we come to the health clinic. This contains a consulting room and a procedures room, providing a range of health services in a hygienic, secure and fully fitted medical facility. There is an amenities block providing toilet and hand washing facilities for members of the local community. Then we come to the cafe kitchen. This has been set up to provide food and beverages to the community members and will offer catering services for community functions and events. It is fully equipped with both food preparation and cooking facilities. You can see as we walk through the hub this large central area, which is a community gathering space. It also serves as the main assembly area for school classes, community events and worship services. We have designed this all-weather covered space with capacity for up to 300 people seated and more for standing events. The hub is very technically advanced, allowing information including teaching videos and other resources to be beamed into each hub from anywhere in the world. It is this connectedness with both government in Port Moresby and the rest of the world which make the Believe PNG Community Hubs such a vital and valuable project. In addition to what we have just seen, each hub also includes sustainable electricity generation and electricity storage equipment, clean water collection and water storage tanks for community use, sewage treatment facilities and high-tech audio-visual systems to assist in modern education and training. So you see, you know, to us, a few shipping containers that have been designed. Those shipping containers, it's designed in such a way that all the roofs and all the regeneration, solar power, toilets that break down your waste so that it becomes fertiliser to feed the crops. You know, all these things that when I had the dream, it was none of that, but as people have got involved. Not only that, those five shipping containers represent the five values. But you can helicopter them to the most remote regions, put them in place, and then you put a an epoxy resin into the floor and turn it over and in 24 to 48 hours you've got a concrete floor. So within 8 to 10 days you can build all of those sites. And the concept then with high speed internet we can give every kid in that village a phone and we can educate them from anywhere in the world. But Not only that, we could run a crusade and 30,000 people could show up and watch the big screen. And we could actually have in 100 sites, 3 million people gather. And Pastor David could stand in your church studio here and be the speaker to that crusade. Incredible concept. Not only that, when we show this video, Pastor John Bevere, some of you will know, has a board member who's in pharmaceuticals. And he's connected to all the large hospitals here in America. And they have this program where, which we didn't know, they'll fill a shipping container full of the products so that now all the tables and all the gear for the healthcare, your hospitals here that 
every three to five years, your high-end hospitals regenerate all their equipment. They'll put it in shipping containers for us, send it over there, and suddenly we've got the full fit out of the health facilities in place. Not only that, Oral Roberts University, because they have 5,600 online courses. Um, and I'm not just talking about church-related courses. I'm talking about legal. I'm talking about financial, science courses. And it can all be done interactively with a kid sitting with his phone, getting the highest quality of education in the remote, remotest place. Also want to be our partner. We just signed with the largest coconut producer in the world, our first hub, so that we've got an innovation, a, 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 a way to, to, to do this. The shop that you saw there, the largest grocery line store in the South Pacific saw this. And they bought 200 of the 400 and they're specially designed with opening doors with a point of sale system in them and they will supply all the fruit and vegetables and instantly we'll give a, a micro business to somebody like a franchise in all these places around these remote regions. Could I come up with that? I could come up with all the problems. But when you put the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords... Silver and gold have I none. But an atheist called Dennis has plenty of silver and gold. No, no, he doesn't. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That name is as powerful in your problem as it is in mine. I don't have a hundred million. It's as powerful in your body when you've got a healing that's required. It's as powerful today, yesterday, today and forever. Simply what changed the circumstance in the temple and the colonnade was two men that were prepared to say, I'm not going to walk past the problem anymore, but I'm going to step into the possibility of God. In this room, there are people that have problems right now. The reality is that you sit here today and there's a circumstance in your family. There's a circumstance in your business. You don't need to go, oh, that's just my little problem. No, you are brave. You are brave. Brave is not made up of these buildings. It's made up of you. And if you will be prepared to no longer walk past the gateway and ignore the cripple, the problem, but deal with it, that problem could very well become your possibility. That financial breakthrough you've been believing for. I tell you, he's here right now. And part of the reason he's here is because some of you sit here, you go, everything's okay. Yeah, Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you in your routine what is missing. What is your point of breakthrough? What is it that He wants to do in your life? And today I'm simply here as the right hand that would reach into your situation and pull you up to a new level so that you can walk into your spacious place. You can lift the latch on your gate and step into all that God has purpose for you. But right now, would you just close your eyes across this room? You say, God... I need a breakthrough. God, I've got a problem. God, I, I want a breakthrough. I want to be a part of something significant, but I can't see the problem. Holy Spirit, would you reveal it to them? But if you sit here today and you say, I want the breakthrough. I want my problem to become my possibility. I want to deal with the cripple at the gate. I can see the gate is open. I see it's a season of transition. I want to step into all you have for me. And wherever you are in this room, you say, however big or small it may be, you say, Holy Spirit, would you use me? Holy Spirit, would you empower me? Holy Spirit, would you help me deal?
with what you're revealing to me. I want you all across this room to stand to your feet and lift your hands because I'm going to pray a prayer of faith. And I tell you, we're going to lift something in the atmosphere together here. We're going to remove the cripple at the gate. Silver and gold have I none. But what I have in the name, oh, that's above all names, in the name of Jesus, people are going to walk out of here and rise up and walk. I pray that all restrictions would be removed in this place. limiting me. I want the cripple that's at my gate, the things that are holding me back, the restrictions to be relifted. I want you, whether you're comfortable or not this morning, I want to stir you. Lift your hands across the room. We're going to pray a prayer that is a breakthrough place. You're lifting your hand and it's literally like that cripple that is sitting at the gate and going, I want a breakthrough. I don't want to live in the same marriage I've lived in for so many years. I, I want a breakthrough in my marriage. It's not that I want to get out of my marriage. I want to see breakthrough. I want my relationship to be restored. Uh, my financial challenge. God, would you break through in this place today? You know, maybe it's in your health that you've got a And I was a little. Maybe it's in your thinking. Whatever the case may be right now, just like when I was a little kid, looking out at the park, looking out at the playground, thinking to myself, that's a spacious place. I want to go and have some fun over there. I tell you, it's time, brave, for you to walk through the gate without any restriction and step into all God has. So God, right now, I pray for every person in this room. Restrictions will be lifted. Lord, that there would be a sense of breakthrough that happened. The best is yet to come. So God, I pray, lift off those restrictions in the name that is above all names. His name is Jesus. I pray that Jesus Christ of Nazareth that Peter and John called out to, we call out to today. And I pray in the name of Jesus, healing would happen at the gate and they would walk into the colonnade like never before, walk into the marketplace and change would take place. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, please visit bravemiami.com.